Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail. Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our weekly podcast. Our signature is sharing stories of vital women 70 to 100 plus who shatter the myth that women become irrelevant as we age. We appreciate your support. Please join our Aging Reimagined circle at womenover70.com. Promote your book and books by women and invite us to speak to your organization. And today we're very pleased to be talking with Dr. Cynthia Barnett, age 79, from Norwalk, Connecticut. Now, when, when, when she was 19, Cynthia left her home in St. Vincent, West Indies, to attend college at NYU Columbia University. And there she discovered a love of science during her geology classes, and science became a big focus as an elementary school teacher. After a 30-year career as an elementary teacher, guidance counselor, and high school administrator, Cynthia retired at age 59 to refire her life by pursuing an encore career. Inspired by the question, why are there so few women in the sciences? Cynthia became CEO and founder of a nonprofit program, Amazing Girls Science, whose goal is to ignite the spark in girls for STEAM, science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Now at age 79, Dr. Barnett continues to lead, as she says, a vibrant, purpose-driven life with many exciting initiatives underway. So welcome, Dr. Barnett, to Women Over 70. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to talking with you today. Thank you. And we do as well. Well, why don't we start with having you give us um, a brief glimpse into what led you into science and eventually to the STEAM movement? You know, that's interesting. Um, I had to wrap my brains to figure out really what led me into having this passion for science. Well, I remember when I grew up in St. Vincent, West Indies, we did not have many opportunities for science, but I really didn't know what I was missing until I took a geology class at NYU. We went on a geology um, trip to the, I think it was the Palisades. And the moment I picked up a rock and I looked at it, at the intricateness of the rock, I was mesmerized and just loved the whole idea of working with science. So when I became a classroom teacher, I decided that science was going to be a very big part of what I did. And um, so I integrated all of my subjects into science and really loved it. The students loved it. I loved it. And um, we had a wonderful learning experience. And then, uh, and you were also a high school administrator. And and then you retired at age 59. And what, what prompted you to retire, some might say, a little on the early side? Well, it, it, you know, at the time, I didn't even think it was early. But as I look back 20 years ago, I'm now 79. I have been, quote, unquote, retired 20 years. But I always knew that I was not going to retire. I told my colleagues I was going to refire my life <laughs> and not retire. But I really wasn't quite sure that what that was going to look like until I read an article from the Association of Women in Sciences. And the article was called, Why So Few Women in the Sciences? Well, I was turned on. Um, They were concerned about women not being in the sciences, especially black and brown women. There were so few women of them. Mm 
So I decided that I was going to join the movement. Now, when I decide to join things, I ne- I'm never sure where it's going to lead me. And I'm never usually sure where it's going to start. But I always have the intention of doing something about it. Mm-hmm. That's great. So when I talked to you earlier, you said you joined the movement with no skills. And yet you have a, you've earned a good bit of recognition for your leadership. You were... Um, you won the inaugural AARP Purpose Award and the Community Innovation and Leadership Award for Connecticut Technology Council and, 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 and others. So how did you learn to parlay your passion into true leadership? Well, I, this strong desire I mentioned about joining the movement, and I mentioned I wasn't really sure about how it was going to work. So I decided to pilot a hands-on science program. So I contacted the Women's Center at Norwalk Community College and asked them how I could collaborate with them to bring this program. And my main purpose was to have rooms in the college so that I can so I can um, do the program. So I hired teachers to provide an exciting science day. Mm-hmm. And I expected to have about maybe 50 girls. Well, over 100 girls showed up. Mm-hmm but I was not prepared. So at the end of the event, the parents noting the excitement of their daughters said to me, well, Dr. Barnett, what's next? Well, I did not have a what's next in mind, but that question was the vehicle for me to create science events. So I started off with two science events each year and attracted over hundred girls at each event. For the, ne- for the past um, 15 years. Then I created robotic programs. Now, I didn't know anything about robotics, but I did re- I'm did. i a researcher. I've, and I saw how enthusiastic kids were with robotics. So we started robotic programs and we started mother and daughter events and had science summer camps. Oh. So what I have discovered is um, my skills as a teacher, a guidance counselor and administrator were the assets I used in my own leadership role. Mm -hmm. So I designed a program as a school without walls. My programs are held in places such as schools, community centers, community colleges, and they provide the free spaces for me. And are you, do you have a staff who works with you or this is, this is a really ambitious undertaking as, as you're, effort has grown, who, who works with you or helps you carry these out? Well, that's a very interesting question. I never really wanted to have a staff. As a high school administrator, I worked with a lot of teachers and I personally did not want a staff. However, I hire people based on whatever project I'm doing. Like for example, when I have the science conference, I hire four or five teachers to teach. And then I get volunteers to to work with us, or I hire a company called Mad Science, and they come in and they do their thing, whatever science program that I'm interested in. Um, So when that event is over, then another event, I have other people do some of the work. But I don't really have a staff per se. I do have like a virtual assistant that sends out the newsletter. And my virtual assistant lives in Ohio. So we have been collaborating for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So that's really the only, and she's not even full-time. 
So I don't really, really have a, a staff per se. Um, I spend a lot of time putting it together and creating it. And over the years, I've learned how to streamline it so that it's doable. Mm-hmm. And I'm not spending all my time and days creating it. So um, so it, for me, it has, it's really a very enjoyable experience. It's not, I'm not overworked. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm doing this because I love to do it. That's, that's so Cynthia, do you, uh, do you do any fundraising in, in conjunction with these events? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, all of my fundraising, I fundraise with foundations and there are people who love what I do and they um, support the program. So basically the program is being paid for with other people's money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so as far as running the program, it's money is not a problem. I, I, I do raise funds that way. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so there, could you say more about what, what you know, what you notice certainly, and, and I think you uh, are especially wanting to serve uh, black and brown women, girls and women. Can you mm-hmm. say more about, about that and why it's so important? Well, it's really critically important because women are, de- women are not going into the sciences. And I have found sometimes by the time girls get to middle school, they don't think science is fun. They don't think it's um, interesting enough. So one of my biggest focus is to get them at a young age so that they can see not only it's fun, but that it's also important. So um, it's one of those things where um, I know it's important and I know it's critical, especially in this society that we have people representative of black, black and brown women so that they could be role models for the younger people to let them know that they're able to do this. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned that you bring, that you have programs for, you have mother-daughter events. And and then I I think you also do a bit with bringing in, so grandmothers or, so that's multi, really multi-generational. How how does that work? Well, this year I decided, um, I've had mother and daughter events in the past. And, but this year I decided I wanted to focus on intergenerational events, which would include grandmothers, mothers and daughters. Because um, most of the time educators work with the parents and we leave out the grandmothers. Mm-hmm. But grandmothers are really a very critical part in those girls' education because, for example, when grandmothers spend time with their granddaughters, or an older person spend time with younger people, if they understand what science is or what engineering is, then they could encourage those granddaughters. But if they don't know what it is, it's very difficult to say, um, would you consider a career in engineering? Whereas Mm -hmm. if my my, um, thoughts are have grandmothers, mothers and daughters working together on science projects, specifically, engineering projects so that they are on the same playing field and and they're all learning together. Now, I have piloted this program and I am so fascinated, especially with the grandmothers. They are so happy to learn something that they never learned before. 
that they brought, they bring this excitement to the granddaughters. And um, I really think it's a critically important piece that we have been missing. So that is my focus on intergenerational mm-hmm. science events. Mm-hmm. Could you give an example of some of the, the uh, projects that the inter- mothers and granddaughters, mothers, grandmothers, the young women have worked on? Yes, like for example, if we talk about a structural engineer, very few mothers or grandmothers know what that is. So what they would work on, they would work on a program. Um, they like build a tower out of Lego blocks. Mm-hmm. And then the tower would have a working elevator and they'll test it to prove their designs and mm-hmm. strength and the strength and stability of that tower. Now, can you imagine um, this collective work of working on this tower? Mm-hmm. So then the grandmothers and mothers understand some things a structural engineer would do. Mm-hmm. So it's really not just hands-on, it's specific of, of what um, that engineer does. Mm-hmm. And it's educating all, all the generations in that family. Absolutely. It, it, it impacts them. They could go home. They could talk about it. Um, they can do additional research. And my plan is also to bring in a structural engineer, a female structural engineer, so that they would talk to somebody who's actually doing it. Sure. Structural sure. engineer is one. We do aerospace engineering, nautical engineering. So my plan is to have about eight different engineering careers. Hmm. So that they're actually building and experiencing what the um, engineer does. They're stepping into their role as an engineer. Mm-hmm. So exciting. Are you tracking uh, what happens to these, these uh, the girls especially? Do they go, any of them go into engineering fields? Well, um, the, the, um, right now the intergenerational program is just kind of getting started. Mm-hmm. But over the years, through our robotic programs, we have, since some of those girls started with me when they were in fourth grade, a lot of them are in college right now. Mm-hmm. And there are quite a few of them that I know are majoring in engineering and want to become an engineer. Mm-hmm. And, um, those girls who really want to become engineers really worked in the robotic program. Mm. And I got to know them pretty well because we met every Saturday for almost a year. Are there other programs like this around the country, do you know? Oh, there are lots of um, robotic programs around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, most, uh, I think what, what's, what distinguishes my program from the other programs is that it's only for girls. Yes. Uh, I and, know there's one in the Chicago area. Yeah, I'm sure there are other programs for girls around the country, because I have learned that when girls work together and um, and there are no boys involved, they do everything. Mm-hmm. They do the programming, they do everything. Whereas if sometimes boys are involved, they tend to step back and let the boys do the programming. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is so important to let the girls know that they can do it themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. What, what else do you see on the horizon? Because you seem to have your, this, uh, your 
I'm sorry. Amazing Girls Science has evolved over the years, the last 15 years. And what what else do you have? <laughs> what else? What, do else? I what have? your vision? Yeah. <laughs> what else do I have up my sleeves? Yeah, up your sleeve. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> um, you know, I in 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 addition to my Amazing Girls Science, my hobby is gardening. And um and speaking on cruise ships because I love cruises. So I have learned how to barter my talents as a teacher um, for um, having getting free cruises, which I have done over the past 15 years. Tell us more about that. Yeah, we want to know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I left the school system, I decided I want to have three or four vacations a year, but I didn't really want to pay for them. So I figured out, I wrote to the, the a cruise liner and um, I asked them if I could do a presentation on board. I had already, I had already signed up for a cruise on that ship. So I did a presentation and um, it was the hurricane season and one of the other presenters didn't show up. So they asked me to take her place. Well, they loved what I did and the rest is history. What did you do? Um, at that time, I was doing workshops on goal setting. How you set goals for the oh. next stage of your life. <laughs> Over the years, in the past, I would say in the past eight or nine years, they don't want that anymore. They wanted me to do workshops on destinations, wherever the ship is going. Oh, uh-huh. so, I mean, I'm a researcher. So wherever the ship goes, I do the research on where that ship is going create a PowerPoint presentation, then I make a presentation to the ship's guests, those who want to come, you know, who want something else besides what the ship is offering. So the ship really offers it as an additional activity for, yeah. their, um, for their clients. And I have enjoyed traveling quite a lot doing this. Now the pandemic... The pandemic has slowed this down. So, I mean, I've gone to Europe two or three times. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my best, one of my best trips was going to Egypt and sitting on the pyramids. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. And I've been to Hawaii quite a few times, Alaska, the islands a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, so I create, I create the programs and um, I have an agent that sends me a list of what the ship is looking for. And then I send them the what I am my presentations, and then we just go from there. I think you're quite innovative. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> yeah. So the next thing, right up my sleeves right now, is um, I'm really passionate about the grandparents' involvement. I too am a grandmother, mm-hmm. and um, so I really want to help grandparents communi- create a community where they can learn from other grandparents about the power that they have in their granddaughter's lives. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes grandparents tend to sit back and not realize that they have tremendous power Mm -hmm. and that they can really support and help the grandchildren in their future. So the question becomes, well, what legacy do you want to leave with your grandchildren? Well, I know I want my grandchildren to remember me as somebody who loved them, cared for them, bonded with them, and um, and helped them to with their future careers, whatever they choose to do. And um, 
And so I want to share that same information with other grandmothers who may not be thinking that way, but there may be some grandmothers who are thinking about the power that they have that they can share with other grandmothers. Mm, I love it. <laughs> so this is something that's that you're going to be offering or that you've, have you started it? No, this is something that I'm going to be offering in the future and I'm working mm-hmm. on creating it right now. Mm-hmm. And um, you probably will ask me, well, how am I going to do that? I don't always know how. <laughs> I just I just have to have the passion and the willingness to go forth and everything begins to fall into place. I mean, I would never have thought I would have gotten an award from the um, from the Purpose Prize. Mm-hmm. I mean, us about the Purpose Prize, because not, maybe not everyone knows about that. Oh, the Purpose Prize is, an, is awarded um, by the AARP, and they award women, no people over 50, who are making a difference in their community and giving back. Mm-hmm. And um, I was one of the first group run by AARP before it was run by Encore.org. Mm-hmm. The year that I won the Purpose Prize was the first year that AARP took it over. So that year they had over a thousand people, um, a thousand people applying to become a, a Purpose Prize Award, and they selected five people across the country. Oh and I was so honored to be one of the five. Mm. Wow! And all, all because of the work I do with my amazing girl science. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I just go to it. Just goes to show you just never know where things are going to end up. Mm-hmm. Or where you're going to end up with when you have a passion and purpose, you just go after it and things fall into place. So, Cynthia, do you ever think about your own aging? Um, of course, especially this year. I turned 79 in May and I really, really began to really think of my own aging and continue to make to be very purposeful about my health. Because that's the most important thing. So I make sure I exercise every day. I don't like the gym because I find the gym is just too closed up for me. Um, I am a person of nature. I love nature. So I walk every morning 45 minutes and every afternoon for 45 minutes. Mm. Um, I I have a pretty healthy diet. Um, I make sure I stay away from flour and sugar. And um, eat three meals a day with nothing in between except for water. Mm-hmm. So I am focused on really taking care of my body mm-hmm. so that I could continue to be vibrant, healthy, and purposeful. Right. Right. Sounds well, given your science expertise, uh, we, it's becoming increasingly known to the, to the pop, to the, uh, population that the that the movement the combination of movement for you it's walking the being in nature um eating healthy how that feeds the brain so that you're keeping keeping your brain alive and and uh, energized and i imagine it also helps with the uh, emotional well-being can you speak to that Absolutely. Um, I am fortunate that I live about five minutes from the beach. Mm -hmm. So my walk is always down to the beach and just reflecting and watch. I'm an early riser. 
So I'm up like between four and five o'clock every morning. And so six o'clock, I'm on the road and I'm watching the sunrise. Mm-hmm. And really being truly grateful that um, I have another day to live. Um, really living, I say I live my life as a thank you. Mm-hmm. Because um, many years ago, we would not have lived to C-79. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just so important for me today, uh, more important for me than ever before, to keep up a healthy lifestyle. I don't smoke and I don't drink. And I, that's something that's not in part, part of who I am. And I know that they talk a lot about drinking and smoking and to get it out of your body. And I truly believe that. Well, for someone who's never been a smoker, people probably will think, oh, that's easy for you. But it probably is easy because I've never been a smoker. I've never been a drinker. Hmm. So I have... Um, I do, I'm a, I'm a very high energy person and have always been. One of the things I do, my friends laugh at me. I take a nap every single day. Oh. And I started taking a nap when my own children were in elementary school and I taught elementary school. So I had to come home and take a nap. Well, my oldest daughter is 54. My second daughter is going on 50 and the other one is 47. And I'm still taking a nap. <laughs> given, so, given your what's on your plate makes perfect yeah. sense so I take a nap every day and um I go to bed I do go in the winter time as soon as it starts getting dark it's the signals to me it's time to go to bed it may be seven or eight o'clock but I'm going to bed mm-hmm. in the summertime I may go to bed I go to bed around nine o'clock mm-hmm. and um but I do get up between four and five So you may ask me, well, what am I doing when I get up? Well, when I get up, the first thing I do is get on my knees and thank God he gave me another day. And then I have quiet time where I read books and literature and I read, write in my gratitude journal and then um, have a quiet meditation time. And then I go for my walk. I'm going to start getting up earlier. Yeah, for, me, lots of people, for lots of people, it's hard. My husband doesn't get up early, but he goes to bed late. Uh-huh. But you know, they say early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy and wealthy and wise. <laughs> a woman. How long have you been married, Cynthia? Um, we 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. This has been absolutely enlightening. Cynthia, and I so appreciate all the work that you're doing to empower young women, young girls, and especially the intergenerational work. Well, all of it. Absolutely all of it. You are inspiring. Thank you so much. I love I love sharing the journey, hoping that maybe it might inspire other people. That is never, ever too late mm-hmm. to find purpose, live on purpose. And live the life that we were meant to live. Mm-hmm. Beautiful note to, to close on. And, and uh, thank you so much, Cynthia Barnett, for being our guest today. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And listeners, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen and leave a review. Visit our website, womenover70.com. 
and access all of our episodes and easily search by name or category. Join us the first Tuesday of every month to enjoy programming beyond the podcast hosted by our Aging Reimagined Circle. Membership information is on our website, womenover70.com. See you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined.